Hello, this is Bill Lytell again with some wisdom for your walk. Uh, in my life, I'm 69 years old, I've had some really bad news from time to time. I don't think you get out of this. Well, I know you don't get out of this life alive. But uh, you don't get out of this life, very few, very, very few people ever get out of this life, if any, without having some days where you have some really bad news come your way. So how do you react? What do you do when really bad news comes your way? Well, I put together a few verses that I go to personally immediately that come to mind, and I'm going to quote them to you and give them to you, and hopefully you can write them down or make a, make a study of it yourself. And you surely may have some different ones that do the same thing for you as I have had for me here. But what do you do when really bad news comes your way? You get a call from the doctor, or you get a call from a relative that some one of your loved ones has passed away or died in an accident, had a heart attack, uh, where your government has changed over like we just had uh, to a very liberal, anti-Christian, anti-baby anti-life government, it grieves your soul. Where do you go? What do you do? Well, I listen to just a few quick things where I go. First of all, I go to, I go to the sovereignty of God. First Peter 4.19 is one of my favorite verses I go to. It says, Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. First Peter 4.19. So the sovereignty of God is important. I was realizing, hey, look, God is sovereign. Uh, I have a, I'm deep buried into this situation called life. God is above it all. He sees the beginning and the end. He already knows how the story is going to end, how my life's going to end, when it's going to end. So I just got to trust him. I mean, I'm in the, I came this fire by grace, and grace is going to take me home. And so you just got to trust him. I like that. It says, commit the keeping of your souls to him in well-doing. That's what you got to do. You just got to get on your knees again and say, Lord God, I, I just don't know where to go or where to turn or who to talk to, but I'm just going to commit the keeping of my soul another day, another time here, because uh, you can do this hundreds and hundreds of times, to him. And that's his sovereignty. As unto a faithful creator, that's the real sovereignty. If you don't believe in a creator, God was created the world, you're in very deep trouble spiritually because you don't believe the very foundation of the Bible. The, the, the references of God as a creator are all through the Bible front to back, not just in Genesis 1.1. It's reaffirmed almost in every book of the Bible that he created everything. So if you don't believe that God created everything, you don't believe in his power and sovereignty, it didn't evolve. Simple doesn't, uh, complex does not come from simple. Uh, and so there's just a lot of reasons for that. So I go to the sovereignty of God. Uh, the next thing I go to is uh, exhortations to trust God. Uh, I, well, let, me, let, me, let me go back here. Let me retrogress here for a second on the sovereignty of God. Let's go to Daniel chapter 4. And there's a few places in Daniel chapter 4 that encourages my soul I'm not giving you the context for any of these. You have to look them up yourselves. But it says, This matter is of the decree of the watchers and the demand by the word of the holy ones to the intent that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will and setteth up over it the basest of men. Now, that, that, that is a sovereignty of God verse. 
you know, we may think the election was rigged, and I believe it could have been, and all of that, all those evidences of things we saw this election. But ultimately, I have to say, if uh, Biden gets in office, God has set up some of the basis of men, and it was his will to do so to fulfill ultimate plan in the future. In verse 25, he says it again, that they <clears throat> tell Nebuchadnezzar are going to drive you in the dwelling of men, they're going to put you out in the beast of the field, make you eat the grass, the oxen, and she'll wet thee with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass over thee till thou knowest the most, till thou knowest what? Nebuchadnezzar, that the most high ruleth in the kingdom of man and giveth to whomsoever he will, almost exactly as verse 17. We see it again in verse 32, the same chapter. And he says, until thou know the most high ruleth in the kingdom of man and giveth it to whomsoever he will. We see it in verse 21. Uh, he says, till he knew that the most high God ruleth in the kingdom of men, that he appointeth over it whomsoever he will. So there you go. Four times in one chapter, book of Daniel, we see God is sovereign. God is sovereign. I like to go back in Daniel chapter 2, verse 20. And Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of the God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. He changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings, setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. And so we are no doubt of who God is, that he is sovereign. That's what that's all about. And then I go to the exhortation just to trust God. Uh, I, I think in Isaiah 40, verse 31, it says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary and shall walk and not faint. That verse became personal to me when I was in the hospital at 28 years old uh, with cancer of the thyroid, just having my thyroid removed, finding out that it was cancerous. And it was a low time for me. I had to have radiation surgery and all that. But I trusted on God that someday I would be better and if I would be able to run because I was very weak at that time and be able to have strength. And that came about. Here I am, 69 years old. I look at Jeremiah 33.3 where it says, Call upon me and I will answer and show thee great mighty things which thou knowest not. I look at Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I've been heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm weak and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest in your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light, and it's true. The load and the burden and the yoke of sin is way heavier than the yoke of trouble that the Christian must bear here on this side. Our yoke is so much easier than the world. They have nobody to go to and really no hope of ever getting better. I, I go to uh, Psalm 51, begin to confess my sins. says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. That thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. I go to Ezra chapter 9 verse 5. At the evening sacrifice I rose up from my heaviness, he said. And having rent my garment and my mantle, I fell upon my knees and spread out my hands unto the Lord my God and said, Oh, my God, I am ashamed 
and blush to lift up my face to thee, O my God, for our iniquities are increased over our head, and our trespass is grown up unto the heavens. And doing these things and going to God, recognizing his sovereignty, beginning, of course, to go to verses that tell me to trust in him, looking that there's going to be a better future. I'm exhorted in the Bible to pray and going looking at Jeremiah 33.3. Call upon me, I'll show you great and mighty things which you know not. And then begin to confess my sin uh, because I'm under chastisement of some sort. By the way, in Hebrews chapter 12, you got to look at that real carefully because there's no believer doesn't have some chastisement from God. Uh, I need chastisement. I want him to correct me. I need correction. And he has corrected me many times, which is also an assurance that you're his son. I hope this helps you in some way. Uh, what do you do when you get some really bad news? Well, what I do is what probably I should say. What I do when I get really bad news is some of this right here, what I gave you. There's more. There's other places as you get familiar with the book. But I hope these help you. I hope you go back over this, maybe listen to it again, and write some of this down. Put it in your Bible. Make a list. It's where you can easily go back and read these scriptures in prayerful attitude and a broken and contrite heart. And God will raise you up. We are on the winning side. The end has already been determined. We will have, by the grace of God, as born-again believers, a place in heaven and a place in the kingdom of God. And these things, the Bible says, the former things shall not come into mind nor be remembered. And though you may be broken now and things don't seem like they could get possibly better, trust the Lord God Almighty. They will get better. Don't even think about suicide. Don't even let that go. If it comes through your mind, uh, renounce it in the name of Jesus because that is not God's way of dealing with stuff. It's a horrible way and the devil's way. He wants you to do that so you can't get right and things can't get better and God can't be proven that he's sovereign and powerful. You just wade through your trouble. Put your head down. Trust God. Cry through it. Uh, scream through it. But you're going to come through it, and there'll be a day you'll smile again. May the Lord bless you. Wisdom for your walk, Bill Lytell.